We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome back. Happy Monday, August 14th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. I got Mr. Bill to the south of me today while I have producer Always Steady Eddie Ready David Dahl to the west of me. For all of you at the other cardinal points around the compass, 602-508-0960-602-5080-960. I'm not going to do a monologue today as I would traditionally do, I wrote down some thoughts that I want to do one on with regard to language and its corruption. We'll probably save it for tomorrow because uh, I just have to talk a little bit about what happened vis-a-vis the grand jury in Georgia and Donald Trump this morning. For those of you that may not know, the grand jury that is looking into indicting Donald Trump in Georgia on state of Georgia Georgia charges. Well, a document um, was leaked uh, online um, reading from Dana Loesch's blog. Monday afternoon, a document was posted, then almost immediately taken down. It was to the Fulton County Courthouse website that seems to list the charges that D.A. Fannie Willis will be charging against former President Donald Trump later this week. It has all the looks of authenticity because it has a case number, it has the judge's name, um, it has a filing date, and it has, as I say, something like, what, 39 charges, um, including Georgia's RICO law, which is very broad, meant to help the state really combat gangs more than anything else. D.A. Willis has used RICO so often, including a Georgia RICO law and a case against the school system, She's considered an expert on RICO law. RICO is racketeering-influenced corrupt operations, organizations. Um, There's a felony charge for solicitation of a public official to violate his oath, which is probably that disputed phone call that Donald Trump placed to uh, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger after um, the 2020 election. Um, And there are a few more witnesses who have been called to testify before the grand jury. So they're moving fast and they're moving long and hard. Uh, 39 charges. That's, uh, I think, is that not the most amount that has been filed in a single indictment to date? But the idea that this could just casually leak onto the internet and then um, and then be disappeared is, is, is an amazing amount of recklessness and carelessness. Um, the lengths and the speed to which people and the recklessness with which people will go to to do anything they can to quote-unquote get Donald Trump is really quite amazable. I, I couldn't have imagined it, and I couldn't have ever dreamt up so much of this. I went to Jonathan Turley uh, to see what he thought of all this. He wrote, Oh, Georgia, no peace I find, no peace I find. You know where that's from, David? That's the late great Ray Charles. Those lyrics, he says, could have been written for former President Donald Trump this week as he awaits his expected fourth indictment. The long-anticipated indictment by District Attorney Fannie Willis 
is expected in the next coming days and will focus on alleged election tampering and 2020 related presidential election offenses. Um, yeah, Turley says if indictments were treated like frequent flyer miles, Donald Trump would get the Georgia indictment for free. However, it will be anything less but costless. Regardless of the merits, it will magnify both the cost and the complications for Donald Trump. Like the New York indictment, a Georgia indictment would not be subject to a presidential pardon. Not only have GOP candidates indicated that they would pardon Trump on any federal charges if elected to the presidency, Trump could theoretically uh, pardon himself. But that obviously only applies to federal charges. You all understand and appreciate that, right? That notion of dual sovereignty. A federal officer cannot pardon state charges and vice versa. As with Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, many view Willis as a Democratic prosecutor pursuing the highly unpopular former president. However, given the three grand juries and the three years that have passed, it's possible Willis may have found new evidence or witnesses that could tie Trump to some kind of uh, criminal wrongdoing. But the focus thus far has been on that phone call to Brad Raffensperger, a call wildly cited as indisputable evidence of an effort at voter fraud. Yet the call was similar to a settlement discussion as state officials and the Trump team hashed out their differences and a Trump demand for a statewide recount. Trump had lost the state by less than 12,000 votes. That might very well simply be what he meant when he stated, I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is more than we have because we won the state. Others have portrayed that statement to Raffensperger as a raw call for fabricating the votes. But there's another interpretation and a far more likely interpretation that Trump was swatting back claims that there was no value to a statewide recount by pointing out that he wouldn't have to find a statistically high number of votes to change the outcome of the election. It's telling that many politicians and pundits refuse to even acknowledge that obvious alternate meeting. I just need to find 11,780 votes because there are always votes that can be recounted. There are always votes that don't get counted. There's always spoiled ballots. There's always spoilage. And, you know, if if you lost a state by 11,000 votes, it would not be weird to say I need to find those 11,000 votes or I need to find 11,000 votes. Anyway, um, in addition uh, Turley writes, to attacking Willis for a supposedly unethical past, um, Trump did declare that Willis wants to indict him for a perfect phone call that was even better than my perfect phone call on Ukraine, he said. Um, I don't know. Uh, you can disagree or not over the perfection of the call with Ukraine. I don't think it was in any way criminal or impeachable. Certainly, if we're talking about phone calls to and from Ukraine and any implications or personal advancement one might for personal in, uh, inurement one might get. Uh, we have a lot more to impeach Joe Biden on than uh, than we have with or had with Donald Trump's call to Ukraine. My God, Joe Biden is on record bragging about holding back money uh, from Ukraine if they didn't fire a prosecutor who was we've all come to learn doing the investigation of his son's company. So my guess is we'll probably see the indictment out of Georgia in the next, uh, probably probably by Wednesday. They're moving pretty fast. As I said, if they were willing 
to leak out a posting of it earlier today. My guess is it's probably pretty much almost all wrapped up. Maybe there was one more witness. Maybe there was two more witnesses. There were two more witnesses they wanted to interview. My guess is we'll have it by Wednesday. And the other political questions that are raised by this are coming down the pike pretty fast. Uh, One is um, there is a debate on August 3rd. Donald Trump has not said whether he will partake in it or not just yet. I was having a call with some political folks this morning, just batting around ideas as we sometimes do. And I made this point. I don't know what y'all think, but I I said, you know, I'm trying to think about Donald Trump's uh, participation in the debate as I would think about it if I were his political advisor, which I'm not. Um, But if I were his advisor, you know, I would tell him not to participate in this debate. There is no political upside for him to do so. He is far and away right now uh, the front runner in the Republican Party. If he does for the nomination, if he does join the debate, he will draw attacks galore. Um, And more importantly, if he stays out of the debate, his number one nemesis, Ron DeSantis, will draw the attacks. You know, a lot has been, as we have said, put on Ron DeSantis' shoulders for this debate because it's really the only thing he has, I can tell, that I can tell in his arsenal to turn his numbers around, that is to say, northward. It's got to be about and done in a debate here or in the debate here. It's not happening by his visits to Iowa. It's not happening by his visits to New Hampshire. He's got to do something in the debate. So it's all on him. And if Trump stays out, rather than give uh, DeSantis the football to throw offensively at Donald Trump, Donald Trump gives all the other candidates uh, the football to throw against Ron DeSantis. And it won't be Ron DeSantis against Trump. It'll be everyone else against Ron DeSantis. So politically, I don't think it makes a lot of sense for Donald Trump to be in this debate. Um, If I were advising him to stay out, I would. The other reason is, you know, he has such a fan base built in and such a support base built in that it is true. Bring on the indictments. Bring on the criticism. There is something like 35 to 40 percent of the Republican Party base that simply will not abandon their former president. So the advantages of going into the debate, I'd love to know what you guys think. 602-5089-60. Stay out. Stay out. I'd like to see him there myself, but if I were advising him, it just doesn't make political sense for him to be there. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-5089-60. There's Rick in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hello there, Seth. How, How are, are you? you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well, thank Good. you. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I got a lot done this weekend. It was just, it was such Great. a productive weekend that I woke up tired this morning. Well, it was one yeah, of those kinds I, of things. I, but it was a good tired, right? Because you got a lot done. So yeah. You felt good about it. Someone once told me, you know what the worst thing about being tired is? Say this to anyone who ever complains. You, you're not a complaining type, I don't believe, as I've gotten to know you over the years, Rick. But, right. uh, uh, but uh, anytime someone complains about being tired, just tell them the worst thing about being tired, being tired. That's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's just that's not very, so bad, right? That's very good. Yeah, it <laughs> makes just, you stop and think. Yeah, it's just it's, it's not so bad, you know. Have a cup yeah. of coffee or something. Yeah, you bet. Hey, uh, listen, I I don't want to take up a lot of your time, but uh, that's why we're here. We are but, here. This is a call-in yeah, well, talk this, show. 
Right, <laughs> right. But business. You first. are the time. You are my mission. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. I, I, it's always I, I, it's always wonderful to talk with you. Thanks. Uh, but business. Uh, do, do you guys realize that the phone company has stuck it to us again? You now have to dial 602-508-0960. I am not surprised. I didn't know you could do it any other way. I would have oh. assumed. I have never. I haven't dialed a seven-digit number in 20 years, Rick. Oh, okay. Have okay. you been using seven digits and getting away with it? Oh, uh, up until uh, this past weekend. Didn't even yeah. know that was possible. Honest to goodness, I'm telling you, I had no idea you could do that. Yeah, 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 you bet, you bet. Wait now, a minute, hold now, on, young dial... David, young David, do you dial seven digits? No, I was just laughing because I was like, well, at least we're not using the abbreviations. You remember on Dragnet, it'd be like Michigan 5080. <laughs> right. I wish we could do that. Do yeah. we, do, can we Can we look our call things up? Can you t- take a look at our alphanumeric thing and, and figure see? Figure out what it would yeah, be. Yeah, 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 what it would be. We'd have to come yeah. up with a word. Yeah, something like be, that. Be like hee haw, BR549. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. By the way, uh, young David did listen to all your Hermit Sermon songs over he, the weekend. He told me. Yeah, yeah he told me. And, and we were visiting about that a little bit. So, All right, aside, I, from, your, uh, aside from your digits and digital problems, what else? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so what what I was uh, calling about was uh, uh, Trump participating in the debate. Uh, I agree with you. I I think I would advise him not to participate in this uh, first debate, in this particular debate, because, uh, you know, it's a debate, right? So uh, the ones that are there are there to talk about their policies, what they would do, what they wouldn't do, so forth. And President Trump has been president, so we know what his policies, what he would or wouldn't do, uh, uh, are, are going to be. And so, you know, being in a debate is kind of really uh, oxymoron, I guess is what they used to call well, it. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I could see us, I could see that thinking or something slightly different, which is as the former president, I, mm-hmm. I am the presumptive nominee in his own head or in his supporters' heads. It's not an illegitimate thought. I mean, it's, it's not fully legitimate either because we still live in a republic where right. you get to vote for who you want. But I can't think of – maybe between you and David or someone else in the audience, we could crowdsource this. I can't think of a president debating someone within his own party. I am I missing yeah. something that doesn't come to mind quite readily? I can't think of it. Now, yep. the other the other the other thing that I think the other side of that coin Rick would be while we know um what a presidency like his did look like, um there are things that a lot of the candidates have pointed out he didn't do so well or so great and a lot of us have kind of come to absorb certain things we wished he did better. So I mean I could see that I mean if you're if you're DeSantis or any of them uh, Ramaswamy any of them Chris Christie you 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 very legitimately could ask him about certain COVID things you could certainly ask him about certain personnel you could certainly ask him about border you could ask right. him, I mean there are vulnerabilities um, that need to be exploited and he needs to give answers to I think or should yeah. I don't know if he needs well, to but he well, should. Uh, 
and that's why and that's why I said this first debate. I, I'm assuming there'll be more than one. Debate. Oh yes, oh yes. yes. So so I, I'm I'm. But it could you know, win out some people. It could disqualify. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in the follow follow up debates and needs to be done in the follow up debates. Uh, you know things, things like that. That address. it also could winnow down the field a little bit. I mean, I don't know. I, as I was saying, I think the the weight is heavy on Ron DeSantis's shoulders here, and he's got too much support and too many donations to you know fold the tent after one lousy debate. But it could shake his campaign substantially if he doesn't perform really well, and right. the chances of him performing. The chances against him performing really well are increased if Trump isn't there. So if you're Trump and you want to harm DeSantis's candidacy, you don't show up. I think. I think. Yeah, you make yeah. him the target rather than yourself the target. And another advantage that I can see is that it might help some of the other candidates rise, rise up a little bit if President Trump is not there. In other words, if they don't have to... Uh, go against President Trump and debate him. Uh, they can they can stick with this is what I who I am, what I would do, and so forth, as compared to the other candidates that are there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Now, absolutely. one other thing, yes. I'd like to I'd like to ask you a question. Okay, uh, you you brought up what's going on in Georgia, and I have heard so many people say, and I I tend to agree we're we're living in a a banana republic now uh i've heard lots of folks say that but my question is what can we do about the broken legal system these out of control uh uh prosecutors uh, you know I, i mean i know we need to elect officials who will respect that but i think even with officials that respect that you know going back to hillary clinton yeah w- uh, the, the system has been broken and how do we fix that well in 30 seconds or less yeah <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> that's okay um i'll do it on the other side of this break Okay. But but there's a lot to do that that, that can fix. It. There's a lot that can be done to address these things. Um, first of all, at the federal level, you have to have a sweep through the Department of Justice. You have to clean sweep the Department of Justice and do your best to depoliticize it. And that can only happen from the top down. At the local level, where a lot of these problems occur, the district attorney races, we've got to take them much more seriously. Uh, as a Republican Party, we need to, meet, need, to, need to be very mature about it. There's my music. Let me, let me fill that point out when we come right back. And also, I mean, may, many of you may disagree with me, but I think reforms about electing state judges. I don't like the idea of retention elections or electing state judges. I just don't like it. Anyway, I am going to break, so I'll, I'll fill that out more, and you can stay on if you want, Rick. And there's room for more. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Rick, are you still with us? I'm still with you. I just heard something on the break. I didn't know this. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. was um, campaigning in Iowa. If I read right, this was his first visit to Iowa, which is oh. an odd thing at this stage for him, that being his, this weekend being his first visit to Iowa. It makes you wonder about the seriousness of that campaign. But yeah. not my main point. My main point, well, I don't know if it's a main point, but... 
it's he he had he he doesn't have Secret Service protection. He's asked for it, and he said that uh, a mentally ill person uh, got to the second story of his house the other week. And I thought, Ooh. well, that's interesting that that didn't make news. Yeah. What kind of California politician do you have to be for someone attacking you at your house or breaking through your house to get news? Right. I, it's very. I mean, obviously, it didn't end up like the other one, but. It seemed to me that that would be news. Um, yeah, the narratives. Uh, anyway, uh, how do you how do you address uh, the legal problems that we face, particularly when it comes to the abuse of criminal process um, and and the excuse of criminality? So, I, I I don't like the idea. I mean, I yes, at the federal level, to repeat, I think the Department of Justice has to be cleaned out and depoliticized, okay. and that's a leadership question. <clears throat> at the local levels, I mean, I think reforms be hard to do, but I think reforms where judges are allowed. I don't like the idea of electing judges. Uh, I've always thought right. of the judiciary as trying to be somewhere independent of, above and beyond the reach of um, popular claims, uh, majority majoritarian sentiment, uh, whims of politics and policy. I've always thought judges, maybe it's a too romantic view of it. I don't like the idea of of electing judges or standing yeah. judges up for re-election um, yeah. because then they're just – I mean in many Become cases – yeah, reasons. absolutely. Then they're yeah. just you know catering their, their decisions to uh, – attaching their decisions to a catered population, a yeah. majoritarian sentiment. That's one thing. And then, of course, the, the, the races for prosecutor um, that – we have just begun to understand how influential people like George Soros is in funding these left-wing and radical prosecutors. You look at how important the uh, necessity of a good prosecutor is in a community, whether it's a county, a county attorney, or a district attorney, whether right. it's uh, the main cities we've seen go to complete perdition, to put it no differently, I suppose, uh, based on prosecutors that you know, play race games and play games with the criminal laws they do like, criminal laws they don't like, mm-hmm. uh, defendants they do want to go after, defendants they don't want to go after, different kinds of protected status. Um, yeah. we, 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 we as Republicans have to run serious people for those offices, people that can get elected in general elections, of course. And yeah. I think we need to be um, showing no embarrassment, no hesitation whatsoever in pointing out who is funding these left-wing prosecutors. Um, the left yeah. is very upset that we point out that George Soros is doing it. They come up with the talking point that to criticize Soros is to be anti-Semitic, which is just absurd. Uh, yeah. It's nonsense on stilts. Most of us didn't even know he was Jewish until the left came up with that talking that, point. Yeah, I mean, this is just absurd. He doesn't affiliate with Judaism. Right. Most people didn't even think he was Jewish. So. Yeah. And I certainly haven't, uh, didn't until about 12 years ago or 10 years ago or something like that. I've been attacking him for 25 years. I had yeah. no idea. So nothing anyway, uh, no hesitation. Jewish. What? Has nothing to do with being Jewish. No, it has, has nothing to do. It has to, to be with being, being a jerk. And it, yeah, no, it has nothing to do radical. with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But they play this game. You see this, you know, this game being played. Was it Al Sharpton the other day saying that... Uh, attacks on Kamala Harris or because of her race. No, they're yeah. not. No, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She may have gotten there on her race. She told us she did. Joe Biden told us she did. 
Mm-hmm. But the attacks on her, and and by the way, it's weird how that shoe doesn't ever work, does it? I mean, we would never attack her because of her race, but they sure right. love to promote them based on their race. And yeah. that's because of her lack of qualification, precisely the problem of promoting someone based on race rather than merit. That's yeah. precisely yeah. the problem. She is exhibit A in the problems of race-based affirmative action. Well, Or well, gender-based. I appreciate your your delving into that because it it really it's scary and it's troublesome that we have that the legal system has become so broken and I I really think we need to follow the steps and and do the things that that can fix it and repair it. Yeah, you know? we're gonna um, and uh, I, and I'm working with a few guys in town, a few guys and gals in town on some of this too. I'll say more good. about it when it becomes a little more ripe. Yeah, good, you bet, good. Rick. Okay, thanks, good brother. To talk to you. Be good. Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. We don't live by politics alone or bread alone here. We love our culture. We love our music. And uh, many of you delighted when I brought Thanos on us on uh, the show on Friday because he is one half of the Sonus brothers. The other half is his brother, Dimitri, and they are uh, tremendous musicians in town, um, tremendously well-known throughout the country, actually. Uh, We're just actually in Europe also playing. And uh, they're going to be at the ASU Kerr Cultural Center uh, Saturday, August 19th uh, at 7.30 p.m. You can get uh, your tickets. Probably the easiest way to do that is to go to their website, the Saunas Brothers, and they, or the Guitar Brothers. The guitarbrothers.com is their website. Saunas is spelled S-A-H-N-A-S. Just go to the guitarbrothers.com. But since we had one half, uh, following, uh, unarticulated equal time rule and for rebuttal, um, we had Thanos on us. It's now a delight to bring you Dimitri Saunas. Dimitri, how are you, brother? Thanks Thank you. for joining us. I'm doing, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the for honoring the equal time amongst brothers. Yes, equal time amongst brothers. What will people expect Saturday, August 19th at the Curse Center, sir? You know, an, uh, an amazingly intimate uh, intimate show with just more, probably more more history and chronology of, of our growth through the music, through our music career, than we have put ever put into any one particular concert. That's that's wonderful. So it'll be the arc of your music uh, that people have come in the valley and really throughout the country to know you over the years. That includes your Greek music. It includes your Spanish guitar playing. It includes your Turning Point uh, jazz playing. This audience, um, I don't know if I dragged them kicking and screaming into it, but they have come to just love uh, talking about music here on this show, and I I love that we do it, too. Tell the audience a little bit about your musical arc. When I first met you, you were mostly a bass player, right? Yes. But you always played a little guitar as well, and now, do you still play the bass? It's most I mostly see you with guitars these days, don't I? I, I, you know what? I'm a I'm a bass player who makes a a living on guitar. Okay, all right. (laughs) Is that a hard thing to do? I mean, it's a different it's a different uh, clef, right? Well, you know, yes and no. Um, I started on guitar, but at an early age, I think when my brother and I were twelve and thirteen, him being the older one, and I just wanted to make that point clearly on the air. Mm (laughs) <laughs> he's the older one <laughs> with a spelling problem yes okay <laughs> yes you know, that's a whole nother conversation yes, okay. for probably a whole nother day okay but uh i was uh he was drawn more to the guitar although we both started on guitar but i was just 
fixated and drawn to the bass guitar as an instrument. Mm -hmm. So I switched over at about about age 13 and became primarily primarily bass uh, for the music we did together, although we both played piano, he played trombone, I played baritone horn. So I think it was just more drawn to the to the bass clef mm-hmm. and that lower register of instruments in general. Your brother was telling us some of his guitar influences, some of the greats growing up. Who were your bass and who were who were some of the great bassists you liked listening to? Ooh, uh, Jocko, or, or who you would recommend people listen to now? Go ahead, either one. You know, J- Jocko Pistorius from yeah. from Weather Report was uh-huh. huge. Uh-huh. Um, Tony Levin, who does most of the bass work for Peter Gabriel. Okay. Okay. Because it's just such a there's just a unique arc in what he does and it's it's not the same thing over and over again. There's more of of a linear flow to how he interprets the low end but only puts well, I'm going to say Ross Valerie from Journey. Mhm. Mhm. Cuz Ross Valerie was a meat and potatoes bass player, but you only really heard him step forward when it was the right place for him to do so. Okay. Okay. So there was a, a deeper level of musicality, and we were. Uh, I was really fortunate with my my first bass instructor when he taught me. He, t- he sent me home with a song to learn, uh-huh. and I came back learning it. And he said, "No, no, no! I don't want you playing it." Uh huh. Uh huh. I said, well, "Well, but but I learned it." He said, "No, I don't want you playing it. I want you to tell me why that bass part is what it is." Oh, interesting. And, what was and I kind of stri- scratched my head. He said, well, in the verses, it's doing the short notes because the guitar is doing this and the drums are doing that and the keyboards are doing this. Uh-huh. But it changes to the long tones in the chorus because if you listen, the drums have changed to this. and the-. So it gave me a completely different perspective and I wasn't just focusing on bass. I was focusing on the why that part was written for the music. Fantastic. The bassists I know, I, I'm not anywhere near. I mean, I'm just not. I mean, I'm I'm not even junior varsity and knowing anything about bass. The bass players I have known over uh, to, uh, and like to listen to, I think the studio musician Abe Laboriel, I think uh, mm-hmm. Stan, Stanley Clark, is he considered a virtuoso? Um, oh, by all means, okay. by all means. Just we had a good, the good fortune to uh, to play with him. Oh, really? Uh, and open up for him with our full group turning point up and. No kidding. Up in Buffalo in the middle of winter, which no. was a whole other experience. <laughs> that's great. You, opening for Stanley Clark, that's 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 pretty that's that's good stuff. Oh, it, it was a highlight. I I told um, the audience on Friday that when I first took someone to hear you guys play when you were doing a Spanish guitar uh, concert one night, uh, the person I took said, um, "Boy, their music just enters your heart, it just enters your heart." But when you watch you guys play. The smile on your face, Dimitri, I can't communicate it over the radio, but you, you must love doing nothing more than entertaining on a stage when you're playing your guitar. You know, it, it's, it, it's my happy place. Yeah. It is. It is, I just, you know, you hear how athletes sometimes get in a zone, yep. and that's when they're performing at their peak. Yep. You know, when we're performing music, it doesn't matter if it's 10 people or 10,000. Yeah. I just kind of fall into that place, and that there's just a connection and a joy. And people tell me about my smile, but I don't realize I'm doing it. it. It's just where I go. Well, you're putting on your face what you're putting on everyone else's face when you play. And it's quite a unique thing, you know, to make a living as a musician. It's a hard thing, but it just it's a testimony to how good and how well-loved 
you guys are. Again, they'll be playing Saturday, August 19th at 7.30 p.m. at the ASU Kerr Cultural Center, which is on Scottsdale Road. And you can go to their website, theguitarbrothers.com, for more information and tickets. Uh, Dimitri, anything else you want to say? We only had a short time, but I wanted to fit you in and make sure you didn't have a resentment going into the concert that only Thano got to talk. Well, you know, I was listening. I was listening to the stream of my brother on Friday yeah. while I was out here in, in rural Iowa, and he mentioned I was probably out on a golf course. Yeah, he did and say that. he was right. Okay. And I did actually, uh, I did kind of hurry up the round to come back in off of a different golf course to make sure I was here for you. Aw, so you're sweet. he was right. He was right, and uh, I'm out here uh, looking at a cornfield and, and just loving looking at a cornfield. Well, I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing you Saturday. I guess I will see you Saturday. I'll be there, and uh, the audience, hopefully many in our audience will be as well. Again, they can go to thegutarbrothers.com. I love you, brother. You really are a brother to me. I hope you know that, and your family has said a lot to me, and your music means a lot to a lot of people. Hey, and you are the same, and, and just come out. Come out and just experience experience two people, three people, because we have our violinist Suzanne with us. Oh yeah, just just sharing what we love most, uh, and 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 it's it's what I live for. Good, good. Well, Shakespeare in the Merchant of Venice said, "The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treason, stratagem, and spoils." The motions of his spirit are dull as night. Let no such man be trusted. Mark the music. I, tr- I trust these guys with my life, and I trust that you, if you go and see them, will love their music. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. You think about uh, the economy and you think about bank failures, you think about the stock market's volatility, you think about speculation of a recession, you think about the inflation numbers that came in last week and going in the wrong direction. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve, any of that stuff? Why Refi has it? It's, a port- it's an investment in a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi. They are a due diligence approved firm. You can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. And they're based here locally on Scottsdale Road in the 101. They urge you to come on by, encourage you to come on by. I've been. Uh, No one's going to ask you to sign anything. You won't get a sales pitch. They leave that to me. But when you meet with them, you'll see why I like and trust them so much. And you can and will too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. 888-YREFI-34. We'll get into this maybe a little bit later, but I want to lay down the marker of an amazing study, new report out of the University of Chicago, Jonathan Turley mentioned earlier, is highlighting, showing that almost 12% of the population— about 30 million people believe that violence is warranted to prevent Donald Trump from assuming the presidency. You hear about right-wing violence, and I think it's overstated. But you have this, and you wonder if anyone at the vice presidential level or the presidential level or the attorney general level, attorney general level is ever going to talk or the homeland security level or the FBI is ever going to talk about the threat of 
of left-wing violence in this country. It's almost double the number who believe that violence is – it's double the number that believe violence is warranted to put Trump <laughs> into the office. Um, this is uh, obviously a terrible thing to see this kind of rage uh, celebrated either by one side or the other. Um, but um, how did Camus put it? Insurrection is certainly not the sum total of human experience, but it is our historic reality. It isn't here. It isn't here. It isn't here. Assassination is the most extreme form of censorship is how we were taught it. And um, get this study around. This is an important study. University of Chicago, 30 million people. Violence is warranted to keep Trump from being president. There's your peaceful left for you.